Southeast Radio's morning mix. Southeast Radio. Oh, thanks very much, Alan. It's great to be here. And I'm told it was quite a journey for you this morning as well. You set out at what time? What happened? I set out, I set out at um, course to ten, and uh, there was a hit some roadworks in Carrick and Shore. Um, uh, but we're here, we're here, and we're, we're. I'm delighted to be talking to you now this morning. Well, well, let's look at the whole area of speech therapy, and I, I know there are huge delays in this and other areas. Just how how difficult is it for you to try and see everybody that wants to see you as a speech therapist? I, it's very difficult. So I've worked for the HSE previously and now I'm working in my private clinic and across the board it's it's oversubscribed the service. There's there's not enough therapists for the demand that is out there. Um, so even when people come into my own private clinic they they are waiting. Um, and even when the when the waiting list is open. So it's it's difficult for people to access services and that's where the vulnerability comes in is that it's leading people to, to source kind of unregulated yeah sources of help and stuff but it's good to be here this morning to just kind of I suppose focus on the, the preschool aged population in particular um, because we know that early intervention is key yeah. um, and that speech therapy does work when people come in and, and that is the point I mean yeah. I, I know our friends and I, I, I know uh, that they were so anxious to get their child seen at an early stage and they were lucky enough to get that done. Yes. Uh, and the difference it made to the child, I think one was having difficulty pronouncing the letter R. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then, of course, the lisp and then yes. the stammer. And you're going to look at facts and myths around stammering for starters. So can yeah. we take that one? Uh, can a child, can a stammering start, start at a very early age? It absolutely can start at a very early age, Alan. So, um, like, across the country now, there are like, thousands of, of children um, starting their first and second year in preschool and the statistics will show us that up to 80% of this age group will go through a period of what we call normal non-fluency. So for all the world it sounds like stammering the child is like parents would describe to me, they're tripping over their words, their mouth is not moving as fast as their head and, and it sounds like stammering and so up to 80% of preschoolers will go through this. Right. Um, and we know that the vast majority of those will recover within right. a year. Right. But there's a percentage that won't and they will go on and they're at risk for persistent stammering. Um, and this is what I'm here to talk about today is to differentiate the children who are at risk for persistent stammering versus the ones that are more likely to recover. And boys apparently are three times more likely to stammer than girls. Exactly, yeah. Why, why is that? Oh, I don't really know. We don't really know. It's all based in genetics and um, I, I don't really know. Um, but we, we do know that there is three time, there are three times as many boys as girls stammering. And that's um, a fact, but a myth apparently is that uh, stammering is caused by fear or trauma. So Yeah, this is a big one I want to get out there is that stammering, and, and for my clients as well, especially my teenage clients, want people to know, stammering is not caused by trauma or bullying or seeing a mouse or, you know, an, anything like that. Stammering is a feature of somebody's speech, not their personality. Um, it's it's a characteristic of their speech. Um, so yeah, but there, there are certain risk factors that make it more likely for a person to stammer. Um, the number one one being family history and when we say family history it's it's whether there's somebody in the close or extended family who stammers now or used to stammer in childhood both of those count that's number one um, so it could yeah. be hereditary is that what you're saying it can, there's a family history component to it yeah. that makes it 
a higher risk for a child to start stammering. Yeah, if there is a, it's not the whole picture. Like you know, there there are parents who may have stammered as a child, and none of their children stammer now. But it's it's it increases the risk um, when there's a, a family history. I love the way you're you're going through some of the myths first. Let's just take another one. Someone who stammers is nervous. That's a myth. That's a myth. That's a myth. That's a myth. As again, again it's a feature of somebody's speech, not their personality. It's it's right. it's disfluency in their speech. Yeah, they're not necessarily nervous. Yeah. Right. yeah. The other one, it's best to drop eye contact when someone is stammering. You I, don't believe that? No, I've heard this a lot now and this, this goes back to the work I do a lot with my kind of teenage clients, secondary school age clients, is that a, a lot of people feel, oh, I'll just stop looking at him and, and help him gather himself. But but actually, when you drop eye contact with somebody who stammers, what it conveys is, I, I'm not listening anymore. I can't listen to you. You've lost your turn in the conversation. So by, my, by just maintaining soft eye contact with somebody who stammers, the message is, yeah. I'm here, I'm listening, I'm holding the space and you um, you can take your time right. getting your message out. Rachel, I have a comment straight in from a listener. I'm in my 40s and I still have stammering. It's so annoying. Can, have you got any tips for this listener, please? Yeah, absolutely. The first thing is to say, this is a feature of my speech, not my personality. It's not my whole identity. I stammer and it's up to people to listen and listen appropriately. And especially yeah especially for that person who's in their 40s now they may have i'm not i'm not sure what their experience was with speech therapy in the past but it's, it's quite likely that is it, it too late for them to no get, it's no. not it's absolutely not and um for somebody like that i mean i do see a few adults that majority of my caseload is is children but yeah. I do see some adults and you can come back to therapy at any stage right. just because it didn't work out maybe in childhood or anything like that you can always revisit it in adulthood and make progress stammering is like an onion you know there's the little piece in the middle that's the original stammer and then all these uh, like fears and attitudes and beliefs right. build up around it and make it much more and have you come across people who have completely gotten over a stammer even later in life yeah, they've learned to they, they've learned to communicate confidently. Yeah, and that's that's what we're about. Like that's what in in speech and language therapy we are about is that I stammer, but I am going to communicate confidently here. Uh, even if I do stammer, it'll be okay. Like I do a, a, a technique with all of my um, all of my clients called. stammering modification so there's fluency shaping and then there's stammering modification and part of that would be voluntary stammering and we go into all of this so that let's say for example somebody in their 40s like that is going in for a job interview and they're like oh god what will I do if if I stammer what if I stammer what if I stammer we go through the Van Riper technique of voluntary stammering so that they get a greater feeling of control in the interview They they can choose when to stammer and that takes everything Right. down a notch it's um, right. and it's working well next yeah. comment is very interesting it's not a you or, or, no, or, no. or people like you but it's a general comment from Dolan and I want to read it out he says Alan a lot of children have missed out so much learning and development due to the pandemic and there's just not enough help for them the, these children's families went by the guidelines at the time and didn't mix with others including the children and they feel now let down by the same system who introduced the guidelines a little child that has no voice luckily has good parents who are their voice to help them when the system 
system doesn't. And um, I think Donald has made a very valid point there. Yeah. So much was lost out at, and a lot of the children you're referring to, they lost out on all these initiatives yeah. because of the through no fault of their own. Oh yeah, no, through no fault of their own. And during the pandemic, I mean, it was a time of such uncertainty that it was all about okay, we have to stay safe, we have to stay physically safe, we're staying away, we're staying indoors, we're not mixing, yeah. and and that is that did at the time keep people very physically safe and was very very important. But I suppose children don't exist in a vacuum. You know, it takes a village and they're part of a community right. and their communication development, their socio-emotional development okay. matters a lot too. Um, so yeah, I can totally... Right. Um, I, I, I would just want to, I'd love to, I'd love you to come back again at some stage yeah, because I just, to, to conclude our chat with you this morning, I wanted, you, you said you wanted to focus in on getting the message out there. Yeah. So let's look by way of conclusion. The top five general milestones for a three-year-old entering preschool. So if you have, a, you have someone going into preschool, what should you as a parent be looking out for now? Rich, elaborate play is number one. That the child can pick up, you know, uh, anything, play, pretend. Pretend play is number one. Really rich, elaborate play. Doctors and nurses, playing farm, playing whatever, really rich play. The next thing is understanding. That they can understand three key words in an instruction who, what, where, when um, questions, really important. The third thing then is their expression. So you'll notice it's not all about the words that they're saying, it's about the play, it's about the understanding yeah. and the expression. So we're looking for nice lengthy sentences like Mammy, I fall, did my knee sore? There'll be some grammatical errors. It's not perfect, but there's good length there in their sentences. Okay. And then the next thing is that they, under, they in their speech sounds that you can understand about three quarters of what they can say. We do not expect a three-year-olds to have an R sound or an L sound. They won't get that until later but they will have most of their sounds um, I like that and I, I'll go into detail and more that a, um, a little bit later yeah. but that's kind of the big thing for a three-year-old and for anybody listening maybe a few alarm bells are going off in their head they're like oh god I don't know if my three-year-old has that length of a sentence or understands that much. If you are looking for speech and language therapy contact your public health nurse first and yeah, foremost okay. yeah into the public health nurse and they will screen the child and put you on a waiting list probably for speech and language therapy publicly depending on the length of that waiting list then you can make a decision to go privately and if you do it's very important um to look up the coru register so c-o-r-u dot i-e um and there you any health professional practicing in Ireland has to be listed on the Coru right. register. And finally, the, the top five general milestones for a five-year-old entering primary school. So it's the same as a three-year-old yeah. same as a three year old plus plus. So what we would say in terms of their understanding that they can understand all the WH questions, who, what, where, when. Yeah. They can understand kind of more complex instructions as well. And that in their expression, that they'll say things like, oh, I fell... Uh, my knees sore because that yeah. they'll use they'll put little conjunctions into their sentences there's good length and explanation yeah. and then in terms of their speech sounds we expect a five-year-old to have all of their speech sounds and um, there should be really a hundred percent clarity there if there's anything that you're straining and you're like god he's very unclear um or anything like that it's worth um yeah. checking that out yeah yeah. great to talk to you thanks for looking at the facts and explaining them and also exploding the myths yes. and come back to us soon if people want to find out more about you where are you just remind us yeah so uh, they can look up the website is kidtalk.ie so I'm Rachel Kidd um, and our clinic is kidtalk k-i-d-d talk.ie yeah. yeah. and they can find me on Instagram and LinkedIn as well at kid.talk I hope it doesn't take you as long to head back to Carrick and Shore is that it or? Car- yeah we're based in Carrick and Shore but right. we're seeing children all over the southeast. So. alright well thank you yeah. so much 
much, Rachel. That was fascinating, and I'm sure it has helped a lot of parents out there. Yeah, no and problem. Uh, we'll talk to you again. Thanks so. very much, Alan. Thanks. Southeast Radio's morning mix. Southeast.